you would please. We, uh, we began the study of Matthew last week and we're going to be slowly working our way through it. Uh, and we're, today is introduction number two. All right, we have to get some of these things out of the way so that we can properly understand this book. And we had talked about the fact that uh, it's important to understand things in context, that the Bible says you need to be rightly dividing the word of truth, which means that there is a wrongly dividing the word of truth. Uh, because again, if you can do it right, that means you can do it wrong. Uh, and we talked about the fact that uh, this book is a unique book in its position. As a matter of fact, all of the Gospels are a unique uh, books in their position, even though they are recorded in the New Testament, they are still Old Testament scope. Okay, and we talked about that from the book of Hebrews, that the book of Hebrews tells us that a testament does not come into force until the testator is dead. Okay, that if you have a will and testament, that will and testament isn't used until the person who it's about has passed away. Okay, uh, you can't go to the lawyer and get your parents' will and get your inheritance from that if they're still alive. Okay, and so the Lord Jesus Christ was clear about this, and, and, and uh, the author of uh, Hebrews reminded us that the Lord Jesus Christ and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are st- is still alive. So those books are not written to the church. Okay, we have what they call church epistles, and that's Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, you know, Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonians, all those books were written as epistles to the church to give instructions to we, the New Testament church, but the four Gospels are specifically designed to present the Lord Jesus Christ to us. And I talked about the fact that uh, the God saw fit that he gave us four different Gospels. And each one of those Gospels focus on different aspects of the Lord. Uh, And I had told you, uh, by example, this is just review, uh, that if we were going to ask you to describe this pulpit, okay, you could say some things about this pulpit, but there are certain things from your perspective that you don't see, right? You guys don't realize that there's a little door back here. And that's just if I need to escape, I can... No. Um, That... there's a story. You don't see that because you're not looking at it from this perspective that I'm looking at it from. Okay, and the apostle, the, the gospels especially, there are four different gospels from four slightly different perspectives. God knew that the life of the Lord Jesus Christ was so important for us that he chose four different books to describe him. Okay, and then we went ahead and talked about the, the fact that the book of Matthew is Matthew specifically writing this book to present Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. Okay, Matthew presents Jesus as the king. Mark presents Jesus as a servant. Uh, Luke presents Jesus as man. And John presents Jesus as God from those four specific aspects. Okay, and each one of them focus on those events together. And when you see those four things come together we still see an amazing fulfillment of everything the Old Testament has been talking about, and even all the way into the book of Revelation with those four additional images, okay, that God has given a full perspective of the Lord Jesus Christ. With that in mind, as we approach the book of Matthew and realize that it's written about a king and a kingdom, 
our approach to the book of Matthew has to be very careful. Now, Dan just taught us in Sunday school from 1 Timothy chapter 4 that, the, that Paul was reminding young Timothy in the church of Ephesus as he was pastoring there to put them in remembrance of the false teachings that were out there that you, they need to be aware of, that you need to stay firm. And then he goes further and says, listen, don't be caught up in all these old wives' fables and these false tales out there that there are certain things in the scripture that if you are not study to show yourself approved unto God, a, right, a, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth, that you can be in trouble. And unfortunately, and this is one of the issues, the book of Matthew is taken out of context quite a few times, and there are some serious doctrinal problems in Christendom that come out of this book. And so as a church, we need to remind ourselves that uh, we stay true to what the Scripture says. And with that in mind, I need to break down a little bit about this kingdom that we're talking about that uh, the Matthew is describing to us. All right? So today, we're going to learn about how Matthew is approaching the kingdom. And hopefully it'll help us get a grip a little bit more on our faith and our understanding of God's word. So with that in mind, I'm going to have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and what it teaches us. And Lord, um, there are so many in this world who just want an easy book to read. But Father, your Bible is very clear that we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We need to be workmen. We need to be rightly dividing this book. That it's not a casual read. It's not a newspaper. Father, it is something we need to plug into. And Father, in Sunday school, we just saw that again, that we need to be exercising in the Bible, Lord, working out. And so, Father, I just pray that you would help us today as we see a little bit more guidelines to understanding this book of Matthew. And Lord, this is introduction. A lot of times we want to come to sermons where we have a lot of life applicable and powerful pictures, Lord. Maybe not so much today, but Father, it's important that we get understanding, get grounds as we approach the rest of this book, that we handle it correctly. So Father, I pray you be with my mind. Uh, Lord, help me as I'm uh, speaking these things that you've laid upon our hearts. But I'm not the teacher. Lord, your word is true. Your Holy Spirit, you told us he would guide us in the truth. So Lord, as we discuss these things together, help us to see those things that we need to. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so on the screen behind me, you're going to see the introduction, part two, and we see the first, uh, a little bit of review from last week again. The theme of the Bible is God's kingdom, not salvation. And again, I want to reiterate that. Long before God created man, long before God created the angels, long before anything we know about this universe existed, God was on a throne. Okay, so that is important that we understand this. Sometimes we'll make the Bible about us. It's never been about us. It's always been about God. Okay, and how God created this world, how he put it together, and then how he has worked in human beings' lives to try to mend the relationship that sin has broken. Okay, and all the way to the end, we're going to look to the fact that uh, we, his people, okay, We'll look at that a little bit more, what exactly that means. Get to spend eternity in a kingdom with him on the throne. 
Okay, it has always been. This thing that we call salvation and humanity and creation is just sort of a little parentheses, okay, in the big picture of the kingdom. All right, so with that in mind, let's go to the first part. The key to rightly dividing the book of Matthew is the understanding that God's kingdom exists in two parts. Okay, so strap on your thinking caps this morning. You ever uh, remember Romper Room? Anybody remember Romper Room? It was just me. Okay, you had to, okay, strap on your thinking caps because we're going to look, do a little digging and your brain might go, hmm, that's interesting. But I want it to be clear some of the stuff we're looking at here today. So two parts the kingdom is. There is a spiritual, eternal, heavenly kingdom where God has always been on the throne. We just talked about that, correct? Okay, God, the God of this universe, existed before time, before space, before matter. God has always been, he is king of his kingdom. Okay, that is the heavenly spiritual kingdom. Keep going. There also is a physical, everlasting, earthly kingdom where God will again sit on the throne. And we're going to break that down a little bit today. Now, again, you might be scratching your head, but how many of you, and we'll look at this in a few minutes, have heard that uh, Jesus Christ someday will come sit upon the throne of David? Okay, we're talking about a physical kingdom here on this earth. Now, just for uh, an interesting uh, thing to add into your brain, how many of you know the difference between eternal and everlasting? Sometimes we interchange those, right? Okay, uh, eternal means always been everlasting not hard to break down but just think about it lasts forever okay so something that is eternal means it has always been something that is everlasting means that from its origin on will continue forever all right does it make sense so i am not an eternal being but i am an everlasting being okay when god saw to saw fit to breathe life into me with my mother and father from that point forward, I became an everlasting being. And from now on, I will be somewhere for the eternal future, uh, everlasting future. Okay, just so I want us to understand that, because sometimes we get to these words and we think, oh, eternal, everlasting, it's the same thing. Not exactly. Both meaning going on forever, but one has been forever. All right, so with that in mind, God has two kingdoms. Let's break this down. And Matthew is, this is so important to understand this book. Keep going. Matthew uh, calls the spiritual kingdom the kingdom of God. Okay, and he says that five different times. Matthew will address this. He said, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God. With me so far? Now, there's a lot of other verses. John, in particular, uses the kingdom of God exclusively. Okay, it is a promise to those, I didn't read that bottom one, it's a promise to those who by grace through faith have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is how Matthew addresses the kingdom of God. It is an eternal, everla- eternal kingdom that has always been that God is on the throne and those who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior get to be a part of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. There is another thing that Matthew does And he addresses the kingdom of heaven 33 different times. This is the kingdom that is the physical, earthly kingdom that is here on this planet. And it is those who are God's chosen people, Israel. 
All right, you with me so far? If you, if you want to shake your head or raise your hand or not, I want to make sure this is very clear. Now, I want you to know, Matthew, and this is why this is so important that we get this, Matthew is the only gospel that addresses the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God. Now, he addresses the kingdom of God, but he is the only one who talks about the kingdom of heaven because his job is to present the king of the Jews. All right, you with me so far? We're going to put these pieces together, but I want us to understand this. We have to have framework, because if not, some of the verses in Matthew make absolutely no sense compared to the rest of the scripture. All right, keep going. One is entered into by being a Jew. Okay, the kingdom of heaven, according to the book of Matthew, is that earthly kingdom that is here that was promised in the Old Testament, and you, get a, uh, you become part of that kingdom by being a Jewish person. Okay? The other is entered by being born again. And again, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, and I don't think uh, the folks who have spent any time in church don't uh, have a problem understanding what the phrase born again means. Okay? So one is a physical, earthly kingdom that is promised to Israel, and you are part of that kingdom by being born a Jew. Okay? One is a spiritual, eternal kingdom that is promised to those who accept Jesus Christ as Savior, and you enter that kingdom by being born again. Everybody nod. Even if you don't get it, just nod. Make me happy. Okay, all right. Keep going. All right, the battle for this kingdom, for the kingdom of God, has gone on forever. If you are familiar with this passage, Isaiah, most of the other verses I wrote up on the screen, but this is a little bit, of a, a little bit more lengthy to put it up there. Isaiah chapter 14, and some of you may know this chapter just by mention of it. This is the fall of Lucifer. And let me read something just so you can understand that God's kingdom has always been the struggle in this life. Even before you and I were created in God's existence, there was another group of beings created, and there was a battle for the kingdom there. Look, if you would, to uh, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou art brought down into hell to the sides of the pit. So just again, reminding ourselves that this kingdom that has existed eternally has been under attack. Okay, the devil himself, before his fall, decided he was going to get set his throne above God's throne. All right, this always been about a kingdom. All right, the devil wanted it, and he got in trouble for it, got himself punished because of it. There's still an eternal kingdom, but there's also an earthly kingdom. Keep going. Right now, the kingdoms of this world are under the control of the devil. Now, for those of us who just got done studying Revelation a little while ago, and we understand that the, you know, the, 
Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says that the Satan is the prince and the power of the air and that the children of disobedience are under his control. Okay, scripture verses. But here's the one that really sets me. Matthew chapter 8, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 through 11. Oh, this is the temptation of the wilderness. Jesus goes out and is fasting and the devil comes to him and tempts him. And again, the devil taking him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of this world. Now get that. Satan's tempting him. And he brings him up to a place and shows him all the kingdoms of this world. And said, and the the glory of them, saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. So we still see Satan trying the same ploy. He wants the Son of God himself to fall down and worship Satan, because way back when, in eternity past, Satan tried to do the same thing and put his throne above God. Well, he says, all right, Jesus, you're here. Look at all these amazing kingdoms. Aren't they beautiful? Aren't they wonderful? And I'll give them all to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Now, just to set our minds in that right tone, if you're going to give somebody something, what does that mean? They're yours to give, right? All right, so I want it to be understood. Keep going. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him alone, and behold, the angels come and minister unto him. Notice, Jesus never denies the fact that Satan has power to give the kingdoms to him. Now, if this was wrong, Satan would have said, Jesus would have stopped and said, The kingdoms aren't yours to give. He never says that, because this world right now is under the control of the squatter by the name of Satan, Lucifer, the devil, the kingdoms of this world. That is important to understand. Now, I know this is a lot of technical stuff, but bear with me because we are going to go through the book of Matthew. And when Matthew addresses the kingdom of heaven 33 times, if we don't understand what he is addressing, it can easily be tripping up on it. All right, so there has been a battle for the kingdom. He couldn't get the eternal kingdom. He was cast down. Okay, but when Jesus showed up, he tried to take the kingdoms that were under his control and give them to Jesus if he could be worshipped as God. All right, next part. Since Matthew is presenting Jesus as the king of the Jews, he speaks mostly about the earthly kingdom of heaven that was, present, uh, that was promised them. Okay, so Matthew is saying, listen, now for those of us who've been here several months and we got done with the book of Malachi, okay, we, Malachi ends and all the children of Israel were getting bored and weary with keeping the law because there were promises that God made to Old Testament uh, believers that they hadn't seen happen yet. And 400 years go by and they still haven't seen anything happen. And now finally, Matthew's stepping up and saying, Hey, Israel, you know all those promises of the kingdom that God made promises to you? He says, let me tell you about this kingdom of heaven. And I want to tell you about the king who's come for the earthly kingdom. His name is Jesus. All right? Here in Genesis, the scepter shall not depart out of Judah, nor the lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. 
And unto him shall be ga- the, the gathering of the people be. So even all the way back in Genesis, he says, listen, the scepter of this throne, okay, this earthly throne, will not be, let me read it again, not depart from Judah. This is a promise that's everlasting until Jesus comes and sits on this throne. So even all the way back in Genesis, God is talking about, now, is this talking about the heavenly throne that God is already sitting on? No, this is talking about a throne here on this planet. Okay, that has been promised to Judah. Keep going. God promised it to King David, 2 Samuel. And thy house and thy kingdom shall be established for how long? Forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Now, whose throne is that? The king of King David. God says, okay, King David. Now, where does King David's throne exist? Is that in eternity in heaven? No, this is right here on this earth. And God says, I will establish this kingdom forever. He's already sitting on his eternal throne forever. This is a different kingdom. This is the kingdom that was promised to God's people here on this planet. With me so far? Important to understand that because this is where Matthew's focus is going to be all through the book. All right? Keep going. Oh, there it is. And King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Whose throne? The throne of David. That is the physical throne of David in Jerusalem shall be established forever. All right, keep going. Isaiah. Don't we know this one? For unto us a child is born. Unto us. Okay, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 8. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of who? David. And upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we sing that song every Christmas. We talk about it, that Jesus comes as a baby, okay? And the prophecy is, at some point, Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David. Now, where's the throne of David? Is that in heaven? No, that's here on this earth. Okay, and those of us who studied the book of Revelation a few months back understand that Jesus in his second coming again will come right into Jerusalem and sit upon the very throne of David in this kingdom of heaven that is here on this earth. Are you with me? Okay, I want to make sure these pieces, you know, 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2 is all adding up. Keep going. Jesus will sit on this very throne. Look what Luke says. He's talking to Mary. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. This is not the eternal heavenly throne that God has always sat on. Okay, This is the throne of David. It is a physical earthly kingdom here on this planet. Okay, We just said, Isaiah said, Unto us a child is born, and he's going to sit on David's throne. When the angel comes up to tell Mary that she's going to have a baby, he says, hey, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to sit on the throne of David. 
All right, you with me so far? This is why this is important, because Matthew wants to focus on this throne and this kingdom. Right here, because he's trying to tell all these Jewish brethren that he knows that, listen, the king, the Messiah, the king of the Jews, the one who was promised to sit on the throne of David, is here. So let me tell you some things about this kingdom. All right? Understand. Keep going. Examples from the book of Matthew that if we're not careful about understanding this, it sounds kind of weird. And it can start giving us some false understandings. And uh, as we go through this book, and again, this is just introduction. As we go through this book, we will point out different religious groups who have taken these verses and not realize that then when they're written to the kingdom of heaven, they're not written about the eternal throne. They're written about the earthly kingdom. All right. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, Oh, so if you're poor in spirit, then you have eternal life. That's what that says, right? Well, we've got to be careful. Where is the kingdom of heaven? Here on this earth. I heard this on something interesting. And again, just to give you an idea how sometimes these things creep into the church, there is a major Christian religion in our nation who thinks that the gospel is the golden rule. And if you ask people to go to this large denomination, they'll say, what is the gospel? You say, what is the gospel? They'll say, oh, it's the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. So if you're out out in the world, that is the gospel. So you go out and preach the gospel of Jesus. Well, they think the gospel is Jesus is being nice to people. Okay, that is not the gospel. The gospel, according to Paul, what he says in Corinthians, is the death of burial and resurrection of jesus christ that is the gospel but if you're not careful we can look at this and say oh see you you get you get to be a part of the kingdom of god and go to heaven if you're poor in spirit that's not what that verse says because we're not talking about the eternal kingdom we're talking about the kingdom here on earth god says you're going to walk around as one of my people israel in this kingdom that i've established all the way through in the old testament you better be poor in spirit. And as a matter of fact, next line, this is a, a famous line from the Beatitudes. You guys ever heard of the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they, that, you know, uh, peacemakers. The Beatitudes are only found in the book of Matthew. No other gospel shares these. Because Matthew, these Beatitudes are not instructions to the church. They're instructions to the children of Israel. Okay, you with me so far? If, if Verses like this will trip us up and get churches in trouble because they'll think, oh, see, I, I, as long as I'm poor in spirit, then I, I inherit God's kingdom and I can go to heaven. Not what it says because we're, we're taking it out of context. Next, Matthew 5, more into the, be added a little bit further down. For I say to you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you're not careful, that tells you you better live an honest-to-goodness life better than those religious leaders, the Pharisees, who tithed of their mint and who tithed of the plants in their garden and who stood up in the square and made these great prayers. You better live your life better than those people or you're not going to heaven. Well, that's works for salvation, folks. 
This is not about going to the eternal kingdom. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is talking about the earthly kingdom that is given to the Jews. He said, Jews, you know what? You want to be a part of this kingdom and fit in, right? Well, you better look at your Pharisees and you better understand. You better keep the law better than they're keeping the law if you're going to be a part of this Jewish kingdom. You see how this can get twisted if we're not looking at it correctly? Keep going. I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the the west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. Who is important in what religion is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That's the Jewish religion, isn't it? You're going to sit down from the east and the west and come and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And again, he's talking about not literally sitting down. They're all gone now. But he's saying, if you're going to sit down and be concerned about the law and be concerned about your father Abraham and be concerned about Israel in the kingdom of heaven, look at the next verse and think about this if it's not in the right context. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, if this is the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom that is promised through faith in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden it just right there says the children of the kingdom can lose their salvation. Right? It says the children of the kingdom can be cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's one of Jesus' favorite descriptions of hell. Okay, wait a minute. I'm a part of the kingdom of heaven. Then I I, I can be cast into hell? No, we're talking about the Jewish earthly kingdom. Go And I didn't do this because we don't have time this morning. This is just introduction. We'll start digging into this stuff as we go. But if you go to the book of Romans, especially chapters 9, 10, and 11, it talks about Israel. And it talks about the fact that just because you are born of Abraham's seed doesn't mean that you are going to spend eternity with God. Because some of those folks who have a heritage genetically as a Hebrew doesn't mean that that they have the promise of eternal life with God. That's what this is talking about. Just because you sit down with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob doesn't mean that you are going to spend eternity with God. Because there's something different that's necessary. All right? But I want this to understand. If, if, you get this, if you get this kingdom idea twisted, all of a sudden, oh my goodness, well, am I going to be out of, in outer darkness? Well, I'm not a part of the kingdom of heaven because I'm not Jewish in heritage. Okay? Keep going. Matthew 11. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. You mean to tell me, Pastor, that God in eternal heavenly throne, that has always been and always will be, is suffering violence and it's taken by force? No. God is a throne in heaven, that eternal throne that he's always on. It's not taken by force. There's no violence up there that's taking it. So what are we talking about then? 
let me ask you a question. The kingdom that was given to David, the kingdom of the earthly Jerusalem here on this planet, has that suffered violence? Has it been taken by force? You see how the difference is important here to understand this when we're talking about the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. If we don't look at this correctly, that verse makes absolutely no sense. Oh, you mean up in heaven where God has been sitting on the throne, it's been taken by force? No, we're not talking about that eternal throne. We're talking about the throne here on earth that was promised to King David. Okay, that Jesus eventually will be sitting on in the future. Keep going. Matthew, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same shall be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, you remember this? And I could have wrote down other verses. Remember one of the moms, I think it was Peter and James, was it Peter and James's mom who showed up and said, "Uh, Jesus, which one of my kids are going to be the greatest? I, I want my children, these two kids right here, they're such good boys. Which one of these guys is going to sit on your right hand and your left hand okay, in the kingdom? Right? They're worried about positions. You know what? When we get to this kingdom, heavenly kingdom, the eternal kingdom which God is on the throne, there ain't no hierarchy. There's only one who is above, and that's God himself. We are all privileged just to be there. But when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, the earthly physical kingdom here, There always has been a hierarchy, and there will be. Okay, but if again, we're taking this verse, and we don't understand it. Last one, this is a doozy. Last one to look at this. Except, this isn't the last one. (laughs) Okay, whether of the twain did the will of the Father. Now, God is talking about, Jesus has given that example. Uh, He tells, the Father tells his two sons, go work in the field. And one says, no, but he goes and works. But one goes and works. The other says no, but then he goes and works. The one who said yes, he's going to work, bails out and doesn't work. They said, which one does the will of the Father? So that's where they pick this up. They say unto him the first. And Jesus said unto them, verily I say unto you, that publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of, what does this one say? Kingdom of God. Now publicans and harlots weren't Jews. So John very, I mean, John, Matthew very clearly says publicans and harlots, they wouldn't have a part of the kingdom of heaven because they're not Jewish. He says they'll go into the kingdom of God before you. See the difference? This is one of those five times that Matthew decides to use the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of heaven. Because harlots and publicans weren't of Jewish descent. Now, they might have been, but the whole group of them. So he doesn't say you'll be a part of the kingdom of heaven because he knows they're not, king, they're not part of the Jewish nation. Last one. I, I keep saying last one. I need to walk over to my notes. All right, not the last one. Listen, when the last one gets there, you'll know it's the last one. Okay. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God, ooh, ooh, shall be taken away from you and given to a nation that bring forth fruit thereof. Now, if we were talking about the throne of David and that kingdom, wouldn't God have broken his promise? Because didn't we just read, David, I'm going to establish your kingdom forever? Solomon, 
I'm going to establish your father David's kingdom forever? So if Jesus says, uh, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, the kingdom of heaven, the Jewish kingdom, God would have broke his promise, wouldn't he? But that's not what he says here, is it? He says, I'm going to take the kingdom of God away from you and give it to another. Now again, we'll go through this a little bit more in detail. As This is just intro. Who right now is the ones who are commanded to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel? Christians. Book of Matthew, chapter 13. We'll see the Israel rejects the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And from that point forward, Jesus focuses on going to the world, to the Gentiles with the gospel. He gives it. And here's the verse. I say then, have ye stumbled that they should fall? No, God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come to the Gentiles to provoke them unto jealousy. God says, listen, Jews, I wanted to work through you. You brought Messiah into this world. That was the genealogy that was necessary to bring Jesus here. But you guys aren't cutting it. So you know what? I'm going to offer salvation to the Gentiles. And that's where you and I stand right now in the church. And we are preaching the gospel of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to bring the Gentiles to jealousy so that they'll look for their Messiah. Well, even if they're not recognizing Jesus as Messiah, you know what's interesting? When we tell them we found our Messiah, you know what reminds them? That they need to keep looking for their Messiah. Now, pretty soon, according to what our Bible says, we know that they will recognize Jesus as their Messiah. It's just going to take some things to get them there. But you see this picture? He says, I'm going to take the kingdom of heaven. No, not the kingdom of heaven from you, because that is an eternal promise. There will always be a throne of David and always a kingdom on this earth waiting for Jesus to take his throne. But this is talking about the kingdom of God, that spiritual eternal kingdom, the gospel of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to take it from you, Jews, and I'm going to give it to the Gentiles for now to bring you to jealousy. See how all this stuff fits together? It's amazing when you uh, consider it. Okay. Both have similarities because they are comprised of people who should live like the servants of God. So, One of the phrases that I've said many times when it comes to a book written to you or written for you, okay, the book of Matthew is not written to me, not written to you, unless somebody in here is a Jew. If you are of Hebrew descent, then you can say the book of Matthew was written to you. But is the book of Matthew written for me? Absolutely. Are there a lot of things I can learn when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, I can say, well, that means being poor in spirit is important to Jesus. Now, does that usher me into the earthly kingdom of the Jews? No. But I can learn that those things, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Okay? That is not necessarily something that I have to say, well, amen, and I can be a part of that, the throne of David in that kingdom. No, but it reminds me that Jesus thinks that kind of behavior is important. So we'll learn a lot of things, but we have to be careful to understand some of the things cannot directly apply to you and I in 2023 because it wasn't written to us, all right? But there are differences, and we'll see those in Matthew. Now, however, now here's the plug for it, because I want us to make sure that even though all that stuff, and we just filled our brain with all that, and most of that's going to come important as we go through the book of Matthew step by step, because we'll see some things 
that you and I don't have to do because we're not a part of the kingdom of heaven. But this has nothing to do with the difference between the two families that are in this world. And I want to address this before we go any further. God's family and the devil's family. Now the line here at the bottom, there are too many people in this world who will try to tell you we're all God's children. And that is one of the most dangerous lies in this world. Now I want to say that because you hear this continuously for so many groups of people that just say we're all God's children. Now, did he create all of us? Absolutely. Does he love all of us? Absolutely. Are we all his children? No, we are not. Let Jesus explain that. People, uh, next uh, slide. The devil's family, Jesus himself said this. Now understand, these were the religious leaders. These were not, you know, heathen, terrible, vile sinners on the street corner. These were people who were, for most of their lives, serving God from their heart. Jesus walks up to them and says, Ye are of your father, the devil. Now let that sink in just for a second, because this is important that we go out into this world with this understanding. When people say, oh, we're all just God's children, not according to Jesus. Some of the very, very best religious leaders at the time, Jesus said, your father is the devil, not God the Father. All right. The lust of the father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Jesus went on to say, I speak that which I have seen of my father, you do that which you have seen of your father. Jesus is making it very clear. Jesus Christ, Savior, Son of God, says, don't think that everybody has God as their father. There are people who have the devil as their father. Okay, keep going. You enter the devil's family by birth. How do you become part of his family? We're born. Isn't that great news? But the Bible says, wherefore by one man sin entered in the world. Okay, here it is. Let me quote it. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam and Eve opened the floodgates of sin, but every one of us in Genesis chapter 3 says we were created in Adam's image. God says, let us make man in our image. But sin came into the picture, and from that point forward, we're all in sin because we're all in Adam's image. So you want to understand if you're a child of God? Well, we start out, every one of us, as a child of the devil. And someone, I said this a couple of weeks ago, and it's stuck in my mind, and I think it's an amazing quote. Um, they say, well, how can a loving God send people to hell? And the gentleman said, we're already on our way to hell. God makes a way we can go to heaven. God, his desire isn't to send, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But the moment you are born, the moment you are conceived of your father and mother, you are conceived in sin. You have a sin nature. We are already children of the devil. Okay, You are born that way. 
Okay, 1 Corinthians says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Next slide. God's family, those who have entered eternal life through... That's supposed to say faith. That don't say faith. Okay. That say faith in Lord Jesus Christ. John, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. John chapter 5, 1 John 5. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. You know how you get into God's family? Next slide. You get into God's family. He that believeth in the Son hath life. He that believeth not the Son should not see right life, but the wrath of God abideth in him. Next slide. You enter God's family by birth. And that's where we come up with the biblical understanding of being born again you are born into sin if you do not have jesus christ you don't have life and i'm not making that up i'm going to stand here and say listen i'll just point you to the bible we just saw three powerful verses if you have the jesus christ the son of god you have life if you don't have him you do not that's as simple as you can put it okay there are two families in this world we're born into the devil's family without God, and we are, don't have the promise of eternal life. But when you are born into God's family, you have life through the Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Jesus answered him and said, Verily, very except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All right, next slide. The question. First off, whose family are you a part of? There's two families in the world. Now, I know across the board we preach this pretty regularly at our church. That if you have not had a way in your life to have your sins dealt with, wherefore as by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. If you have a sin problem you haven't had dealt with yet, I don't want to remind you what family you might be residing in. But if you realize that God sent his son, Jesus, into this world to pay the penalty for our sins, and if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he that hath the son hath life. Whose family are you in? Secondly, a little more technical, which was a little bit of the beginning of the, ser- uh, the service this morning, and I, I'm sorry, but I had to preface it, because as we go through this book, it's important that we protect ourselves from false doctrines that are pulled out of this book, is as we continue the study of Matthew, we will see the differences in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and your Savior, you are a part of that eternal, heavenly kingdom of God, by promise. But at the same time, if you're a Hebrew and you're born into that family of Jews, you have a promised kingdom that God, who doesn't break his promises, calls the kingdom of heaven. All right? And we'll see how those, the nuances of those two things in this book of Matthew. All right? Don't leave here today without knowing what family you're in. And church family, thank you for bearing with me as we went through the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. But it's very important that we get that foundation right. What we just talked about in Sunday school The key to making sure we're not fooled by false doctrine is to make sure that we are solid in what God's scripture truly says. 
So it's important that we get that basis so that old wives' fables and things that we talked about in Sunday school don't trip us up in our faith. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. And Lord, introductions to books are not always the easiest ones to do. Lord, we like getting into the meat of the Scripture verse by verse, and uh, Lord, that is coming, and we're thankful for for that. But Lord, it's also very important that we rightly divide, that we understand the way your Bible is put together, and especially context. And so, Father, I thank you. Lord, many of us here have understood that there are two families in this world. And Lord, we are born into sin. Lord, it's not where we want to be. It's just by nature, we're all sinners. There's nothing to argue about that. Every one of us have fallen short. Lord, we have all violated your word. But Father, I don't thank you it doesn't stop there. That Lord, your eternal plan, you sent your son into this world to pay for the penalty of our sins. And if we would just accept that payment, and like the Bible says, if we have the Son, we have life. And so, Father, we don't have to settle to be in God's, uh, the devil's family. We can have a new birth and relocate into God's family. And, Lord, when we do that, that's awesome because we get to be a part of the kingdom of God, an eternal, everlasting, Lord, spiritual kingdom in heaven, which you've been on the throne forever. But Lord, I thank you also that you're not done with Israel. You've told us that. There is a kingdom and a throne of David which you promised would last forever. And maybe it has suffered violence and maybe it's been taken by force and we've seen that through history many times. But Lord, you're not done with them. And Father, I thank you that you always have a plan and you're working your plan. So Father, give us clarity as we continue to go through this book. But more than anything, Lord, we rejoice in the fact that we don't have to be in sin anymore lord we can be in god's family through jesus christ our savior thank you in jesus name amen all right you can take your thinking caps off now and go home and vegetate on a football game or something all right but thank you so much for that like i said sometimes giving you